Hi, and welcome to OCR Radio, hosted by The Athlete, also known as Steve and Steph, where we bring you weekly interview guests. And if you haven't checked out the 12-part Getting Started series, go check it out. We've included tons of information for getting started in obstacle course racing. Now on to the show. Today's OCR Radio episode has two guests. We have Mike Fickling and Brett Bracken. These guys are the owners and operators of the Charleston Kettlebell Club. I had the pleasure of trying out the Charleston Kettlebell Club when I lived there, and it was awesome. So, of course, I wanted to have them on to the show to talk about the benefits of training with kettlebells for obstacle course races specifically. So Mike's background includes over 10 years of personal training, and he grew up in a rural area of South Carolina, so he was very physically fit, and that came very naturally to him, and he ended up playing outdoors a ton. He did sports, he competed, and even later on, he was exposed to Wing Chun Kung Fu. So now he is a dedicated husband, father, surfer, and a lifter of heavy things, and he continues to pursue his strength and excellence through his passion. Then we have Brett. Brett is the co-owner of Charleston Kettlebell Club. He attended Charleston Southern University as a member of the track and field team, and he finished with multiple school records and Big South All-Conference Awards in pole vault. He holds a Bachelor's of Science in Kinesiology from CSU and a Master's in Health and Exercise and Sports Science from the Citadel. He also currently holds certification of a Czech Practitioner Level 1, Czech Golf Biomechanics, and ACSM's Health Fitness Specialist. That's a lot of stuff. These guys are really, really knowledgeable, and you're going to learn the benefits of training with kettlebells in obstacle course racing. I'm not much of a runner these days, injured myself a few times, so I spent a lot of time with kettlebells. We're going to get into that. And welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. How are you? Good to hear from you. Yeah. So we are going to just jump right into all of this obstacle course race training stuff. These listeners really, really care about performance on the course, um, their athletes. And really, I want to talk about kind of the beginner athlete, the intermediate athlete versus the elite athlete. And so we're talking about people who work nine to five here. They don't have a bunch of hours to train, but I know kettlebells are one of the most effective things that they can possibly do with their time. So can you tell us why you love kettlebells, how you got into kettlebells, um, and why you think it's so great for performance athletes to really love kettlebells too? Sure, sure. Um, well, we've been um, been working out of Charleston here at Charleston Kettlebell Club. Originally, it was uh, Progressive Fitness, and we got started. I got started messing around with kettlebells. I was introduced to it by uh, another trainer that was here, and also by our massage therapist. Um, shout out to Scott Dawson, um, and he went through RKC originally, and we had um, just been playing with homemade kettlebells and the whole idea of a explosive hip hinge and saw really early what an amazing movement it was and how it could really help you with strength, conditioning, athleticism, and many other uh, things, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, we got into it after that, became certified through RKC, I did, and then through Strong First as we followed uh, Pavel over. And there's a whole backstory for that. but yeah, we've been using kettlebells successfully individually and with our clients for a long time now and see no end in sight. 
Yeah, I, I discovered kettlebells uh, 2007 or eight. The gym that I worked at got a set in all of a sudden out of nowhere. And so I just started playing with it, watching YouTube. And then I, uh, I was a bouncer while in college while working at this place as well. And there was a guy that was sitting outside, hanging out, talking with his girlfriend or something because you weren't allowed to smoke inside of a bar here in Charleston. And I got to chatting with him and he asked what I did. And he's like, you ever work with kettlebells? And I was like, yeah, they just showed up at the gym this week. He goes, I will go look this guy up. And it was Pavel. And I think his name was Rob, if I remember correctly, was the gentleman's name. And I think he might have been the first guy in town RKC certified. And then um, then I came up here to work with Mike and got a little bit more knowledge on those um, how to use them. And then uh, went through um, Strong First in 2014. And since then, been grinding away at it. So I love that you guys have such a, a wide variety of background with the different certifications. Why why would somebody care about the different kettlebell certifications? Um, I know a lot of people are kind of apprehensive about kettlebells from time to time, or it's actually quite painful for me to watch most people use them in the gyms because the form just isn't there. And I know you can hurt yourself with, with kettlebells if you're not doing it properly. What, what did all of this different background teach you and what should, what should somebody who's getting into kettlebells look for in, in learning how to, how to use kettlebells? I think when you're looking for a coach, um, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of different degrees and a lot of different letters behind their names when it comes to personal training and coaching. But when it comes to kettlebells in particular, I'd have to say in my experience, there's, there's two specific styles of kettlebells. Um, one is the kettlebell sport and that's the, the GS It's also known Grivik sport. And, and that's a very specific competition kettlebell style um, with the goal being two specific lifts, just like Olympic lifting, you have a clean and jerk and you have a snatch and basically everything around it is training towards that end to be competitive in the clean and jerk and snatch with kettlebells. That is not the style that we teach. There's nothing at all wrong with that style. And it may actually be an older, more original style of the lifting, uh, with kettlebells. Um, and if you're into that sort of thing and you want to explore that, I don't have, um, there's different organizations out there, but I would be very, I would find out what type of instructor or coach um, that person is and if they do teach that style. And if you're looking for that, to look specifically for that. We teach and practice and study um, the hard style of kettlebell, which is more interested in strength. And the two best certifications for that would be the RKC, which was originally the certification started by Pavel, um, and now Strong First, which we feel is the superior of the two, and that's our personal preference. Um, so I would make sure that your coach was certified either in Strong First or RKC if you were trying to learn a hard style approach to kettlebells which is the focus is on strength and technique. Yeah. And, but there's a ton of horrible certifications out there. And one of the ones I've seen recently and I get a kick of and, and semi make fun of uh, periodically in classes, hip hop kettlebell workout. I, I don't understand it. And it's, if you watch the videos on YouTube, it's, it's, um, it's very interesting. Let me say it nicely. 
this is exactly what we're looking for <laughs> because there's a lot of there's a lot of crap out there there's a lot of um you know people put a spin on something just so that they can market it so that they can sell it so that it's something that seems new but you and i both know that you know, new doesn't mean better necessarily. And that's what I loved about visiting your studio was that you guys actually said, hey, you know what? We stick with what we know works. We don't go for the flashy stuff. We go for the tried and true and tested uh, methods. So this is excellent information because I have a lot of listeners who are coaches themselves for obstacle course races. And I know that they've, you know, kind of asked which certifications should I look for? So that is excellent information. So let's go ahead and talk about the training benefits for obstacle course racers. Now you said something about explosive movements. Um, you know, for obstacle course races, we do an obstacle, which is more explosive, requires strength, and then we run to the next one, which requires more endurance. So with kettlebell workouts, how does that benefit the obstacle course racer? Well, it's, it's great. Um, kettlebell swing specifically, it's, uh, it's very dynamic and explosive. Uh, it somewhat mimics some of the jumping you have to do uh, when climbing an obstacle. I've done a couple of the Spartans in my time now, uh, just playing around. So I found it to be very beneficial there. Um, also, if I remember correctly, the one that I did, they were, you had to pick up certain objects and carry them around, such as atlas stones, um, sandbags, and carry those up and down hills. With the kettlebell, it's a versatile tool that can somewhat mimic a lot of the movements that you're going to be doing in obstacle courses where they're, you double clean a couple bells or you just pick it up into a farmer's carry or a rack and you go for a walk up and down the hill. Um, then you get to the bottom of the hill, the top of the hill, and you do some swings. And then you repeat that movement, um, which you get the conditioning with the swing and then you get the, the static load aspect with the carry as you walk up and down your hills or around a park, depending on what you're trying to find. Um, so in that aspect, I, I love it for, um, the endurance athlete. It also helps with a lot of issues that a lot of runners get. And as a runner, you become very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, anterior chain or front part of the body dominant because of the leaning motion that you're in a lot of times. And with the kettlebell aspect, you work a lot of the reverse aspect with the, the posterior chain hamstrings, which tend to be really weak in a lot of runners unless they're upper echelon uh, elite athletes who really take care of that. You have anything to add, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, and I also think just the, the benefit of the fact that you can get so much from a single bell. You can do this inside. You can do this outside. This could be something that sits in your car, sits in your office, sits in your home. Um, it's easy to carry outside. And like you said, take it to a, um, take it to a place where you do some outdoor training. Um, it's just an easy tool to carry around. It's not fun to carry it around, no, not at all. but it's easy to carry around. Um, but I think really the, the answer is that you can improve multiple qualities at once. And if we're talking about beginner athletes, intermediate athletes, you probably aren't a sponsored athlete and you have another job to do. So you don't have a lot of time to mess around. So it's a lot of bang for your buck. That's awesome. And I completely agree about carry it around in your car. That's amazing. Um, Steven and I actually did a or Steven and I actually did a road trip where we took our kettlebells and those were the workouts we got while we were on the road. So we're gonna take a really quick break and we'll be right back. Do you have a show guest you'd like to hear from? 
maybe you would like to be interviewed. Email us, podcast at ocrradio.com. And welcome back. Okay, so we've talked about finding a coach. We've talked about different certifications. We've talked about uh, why it's important to have some some good form. What what are some of the common mistakes that you see people making with kettlebells? I would say the squatty swing. Um, the kettlebell swing from our training is more of a hip hinge. It's uh, similar to a deadlift motion. Um, you see a lot of times people end up squatting it. And that's going to put the movement all into your back and into your quads. And that's when a lot of people get injured. Um, the other thing, and I say it's a mistake only, but I know why the organization that does it does it, is the two-hand swing overhead. Um, it's a competition thing that they had to have a standard for. And on that level, I get it, but it's not always safe for shoulders. And uh, people with thoracic issues or shoulder problems, that's just going to exacerbate, or the neck, it's going to exacerbate those issues over and over. Um, also I see a lot of issues with the rack position and the clean or the snatch with, uh, whether it's the snatch and it's a broken wrist, the wrist is flopped back instead of a neutral alignment. Uh, the rack, I see the same thing at the wrist. Also elbows flared out to the side where they're trying to hold the kettlebell with their arm out to the side and rest it versus using their lats and their shoulders to kind of hold the position in a more comfortable place. I know it's kind of hard to describe that over audio without a picture. Um, those are a couple of the big issues I see in the ballistic movements from start to finish. I agree. And I think, um, I think well, it, the problem is a lot of times you end up focusing on the tool, the kettlebell itself, and not focusing on the person using the tool. And, and honestly, quality movement trumps everything. So your movement patterns, your movement quality, your mobility and stability, um, your ability to create tension and utilize quality technique which will lead you to strength and conditioning and safety because frankly, we believe safety and performance are the same thing. If it's not repeatable because you're all busted up, then you're not really going to get anything from it. So it has to be a repeatable process. You have to be able to practice kettlebell um, skills. And, um, and I think that's a lot of times what, what you find. And it's not always necessarily to follow the coach, although you, the buck has to stop somewhere. But it's, it's always about you have to have discipline to properly use a kettlebell. You have to be present. You can't be thinking about what's for dinner or, you know, what you should yeah. be doing. You have to be here yeah. now, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it's an important part of the process is what's going on in your head. Um, and, and I think it's a great tool, but like anything else, it's only as good as the user. Yep. And going back to build on what you said about being present with a lot of the movements, such as the get up or the windmill, just to name a couple, the, your head is what's between the floor and the weight. You know, one hand's on the floor when you're getting get up and the other hand's above your head. There's lots of transitional periods where that weight is directly above your head. If you're not present, next thing you know, um, you're going to be laying unconscious with that Bell's logo plastered on your cheek. Yeah, we don't want that. I, so let's talk a little bit about the get up, um, the windmill, because something that we practice as obstacle course racers is a lot of animal movement. That's just being on the ground, doing like bear crawls, things like that. And we have to do that because we do spend a lot of time on the ground specifically for something like the barbed wire crawl. So it sounds like kettlebells 
as long as you're doing it properly and you're not going to hit yourself on the head. It sounds like this would be really excellent for some practice for those kind of movements too, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's basically loaded yoga when it comes down to a windmill or a Turkish get up. I mean, it's it's um, really important what you're doing with your body and it's about controlling this metal object in space and moving yourself underneath it. Um, and one thing we didn't mention earlier, but, and this is a huge component, is that you're developing, you're armoring up, you're developing toughness by using a kettlebell in addition to strength and conditioning. Um, mental toughness, learning to use your breath, but also uh, the get up in particular, if, if you had to choose two lifts, that's an, another beauty of this thing is that you can have two exercises to answer all your questions for conditioning and strengthening to go along with your race preparation. And that would be a swing and a get up, also known as the simple and sinister program. Yeah. And then a lot of times with the getting down and up under bob wire, depending on how you have to crawl with the army crawl, the get up and the windmill and to build on those aspects of movements, the bent press are great movements to expose mobility issues and things that you really need to work on as far as range of motion through your hips, your knees, your ankles, your shoulders, your upper back, um, and creating stability at those areas that you might be weak or need extra movement patterns done as far as things of that sort. Improving multiple qualities at one time. Yep. Yeah, and I have to say too, I mean, as obstacle course racers, that's what the name of the game is. You hear about people having shoulder injuries and a lot of times it's because they don't have the mobility. They sit at a desk and have their hands in front of them, typically on a computer. And then, you know, go out onto the course and now you're swinging from your shoulders. And if you don't know how to engage those muscles, if you don't have the mobility, then you end up with injuries. So it sounds like kettlebells are excellent for training this kind of motion. Indeed. So then what else would you recommend to people as far as getting started in kettlebells? Um, you know, like as far as the different weights that somebody might get for at home, because I know a lot of people, like you said, you know, you get a couple kettlebells, you throw them in your car and maybe on your lunch break, you get them out, you do some swings with them, you carry them up the hill, you do some burpees, you do some swings, you carry them back down the hill. What are some sizes that you would say somebody should get started with? I mean, it, it just, if it's a female, I would say um, a 12 or 16 kilo bell, possibly lighter, depending on the size of the individual. Um, if it's a male, I would say a 24 kilo bell. Um, honestly, I would, first thing I would do is find someone who is certified in functional movement screen and or a strong first instructor and sign up with them and have them help you decide what type of bell you need and write uh, an appropriate program for you and have a professional help you out. Yeah. That's, that's what I would suggest. Um, but yeah, as far as getting a kettlebell, I would say a 24 for a man and a, uh, to, to give more depth to it. Yeah. I would get an eight kilo kettlebell, which is about 15 to 16 pounds, depending on, metrics or um, or American standard, what you're using uh, for mobility work, such as arm bars, halos, things like that. Um, as a guy, I would get a 16 and a 24, um, depending on where you're at strength-wise with pressing overhead and get-ups. 
Uh, female, I would probably get the eight as well for mobility. A 12 and a 16, 16. for swings and the same thing, pressing other things of that sort for overhead work. Yeah, that's great. And I love that you did say, find the expert that's going to show you how to do this in the first place. Um, but I know a lot of people like to put kettle, you know, workout equipment, kettlebells, things like that kind of on their wish list. So um, yeah, that's, that's great information because, you know, the last thing you want to do is end up injured before you even get to the race course. You got to get to the start line first. So we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, we're new. We could use a review. Click the ratings and review button and leave us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And welcome back. All right, so this is the very last segment. What else is it that you want people to know about kettlebells? Anything else? I would say kettlebells, what people need to keep in mind with kettlebells or any form of strength training, that it's a practice. It's not something that you just walk in and do um, going through the motion-wise. You need to be present at all times. Um, Focus on what you're trying to achieve movement-wise for that day, program-wise, and stay in the moment, Uh, much like a yoga practice for a lot of people. Um, And I'm pretty sure some of your people may do that. That would be my main thing with kettlebells for them. Yeah, I also say um, focus on focus on the the journey, so to speak. Yeah. Um, not always, you know, the end product, which is the race and winning or whatever. But uh, but spend some time and and think of it as a you know like almost like a martial art, like you're trying to learn something, like you're trying to master something. Yeah. Um, and if you treat it like that, then you'll be better for it. It's it's so much more. Um, it's so much more rich to behave that way in your strength and conditioning work. Um, it, you can't do it all in one day, and it's important just to try to get a little better every time. Um, and it's just the, it, and enjoy the process. That's that's hugely important. The more and more we do this, the more we recognize that that's the case. It's really about the process. Yeah, let me, yeah. Let me build yeah. a little bit there. Keep it as a process and keep it as a journey and staying present, but and allow your competition, your race to be your stimulus. Because I find a lot of times people are chasing a stimulus in the gym. And what I mean by that, they want their workout to feel them like leave them feeling like they got their butt kicked and like pile of sweat everywhere and be sore the next day. You shouldn't be that way after training. You, you should be that way after a competition. But training should keep you fresh and keep um, keep you focused and keep you on point. Um, that would be one of the other things I'd, I'd throw in on what you said. Absolutely. Agreed. That is amazing. I completely agree um, because a lot of times you do see people going too hard in their training and then they don't make it to that start line. Or by the time they make it there, they're completely burned out. They don't really have as much to give. Um, but that's kind of a fine line because you need to... You need to challenge yourself enough to know that when you get out on that course, you can withstand the three hours or however long it's going to take you. Um, but you're you're right; like you have to you have to treat it like a journey, like a process. Otherwise, it's going to be a very short lived sport anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. That's very true. 
That is excellent. So how can the listeners find you guys? Like I said, I visited your um, Charleston Kettlebell Club. I guess it was last year. It was excellent. Your teaching form is amazing. Uh, I just love the the vibe in your studio too. Like you said, it's not show up and let's compete against each other, which I don't like to compete in my workouts. Like I'll compete on the course. That's it. Um, you know, because I feel like sometimes technique and form uh, goes out the window if you're competing every workout. Uh, you should have your form on point in your workout. And if it kind of goes out the window on the course, that's different. Um, yeah. So tell us more about what you guys have in Charleston. Sure, sure. Well, um, the the best way to find us is our website. And that's um, charlestonkettlebellclub.com. Um, we're also all over social media. You can track yeah. us down that way. Um, trying to be, trying to be out there more on that. Um, but also, and, and I would say this is important, not just to find us, but to also find a good coach, um, strong first, their website, strongfirst.com. You can find us there. You can follow, uh, you can look for coaches on strong first. It's a, it's a great tool to actually find someone in your area. Um, to get some good coaching if you're not in our area. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the easiest way to find us. And unless you happen to be cruising around Charleston. Yeah. Um, it's coming beach season. Yeah. Yeah, will, yeah, absolutely. Come and check out Charleston soon. You'll be the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Along with 50,000 other people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're pretty easy to find. Um, wouldn't you agree? Stephanie? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I like to put it out there too, because even if the listener isn't in the area, it's great to just drop in and experience it. Because, you know, like if somebody just happened to be visiting Charleston for the week, they could visit a couple of your classes and really take away a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we do both um, personal training and classes and our, and our schedule is, is on our website. And in fact, you could you could uh, hook up with us through the website as well. Contact yeah. us, speak to us, um, and Facebook. sign up for a class. Yeah, find us on Facebook. Facebook's probably the Instagram quickest way for us to get back to you. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Well, thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Steph. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. OCR Radio. Get out, get dirty, get living.